Catchment management is one of the most important things that has to be done to improve a, a river. Uh, everyone often assumes that the problems uh, a river has can be addressed within the channel that, that the water flows. But you have to think about where the, the rain is falling as it is today and, and the, the distance and what is between the point that that raindrop hits the, the ground and the river. And when you start to think about that, you start to realise that how we manage the land really drives how healthy the, the rivers are. So if we're over applying nutrients or if uh, in urban areas there's leaking oil from cars, as the rain falls on that, it washes it into our rivers. So catchment management is about thinking beyond the river channel to the, the land in which the rain falls and then drains into the, into the river. Hi, I'm Jack Spees. I'm the Chief Executive of Ribble Rivers Trust. Uh, we're a registered charity that seeks to conserve, improve and sustain uh, the conservation status of, of the Ribble, particularly its rivers and streams, but through working across uh, the land of the Ribble catchment. I manage a, a team of very dedicated individuals uh, of about 18 to 20 people who deliver a range of activities from providing farm advice to education in primary schools uh, and pretty much everything in between. I started working in this sector uh, professionally about 12 years ago. Um, as a child I used to spend most of my youth uh, running up and down the, the rivers and streams of uh, South West Wales, particularly looking to, to try and catch trout and uh, so I kind of developed a, an, an affinity for rivers and streams but it went more than just fishing and, and fish it was more why was the river like this and why wasn't it like that and then I spent a lot of my uh, early youth working on on farms and I took a bit of a, a, a turn away from uh, rivers and did uh, a degree in physics and I spent uh, the year before, every spare minute during the, the three years of the degree and a good period after that degree, uh, trying to, to do everything I could to, to work with and around rivers. Uh, and at the end of a, uh, another year off, uh, sort of chasing a, a career from my first degree, uh, I was sort of uh, told in very explicit terms by a, a, a Highlander in, in North East Scotland, Jack, you've spent every spare minute of your life trying to improve rivers. Why did you do a degree in physics? You should have done a degree in conservation or land management. And a light bulb popped on in my head. And so when I uh, returned back to South West Wales later that year, I just sort of Googled 
conservation and land management and a, a master's course came up at Bangor which uh, I undertook the following year and uh, then started working uh, managing an MOD estate um, particularly the rural aspects of that estate and uh, a little while after that I, uh, I saw the job in the Ribble come up and it really combined all of my passions uh, but all of my sort of professional interests and uh, yeah I haven't looked back since. Catchment management is a particularly complex field. Um, there are a lot of challenges, but there are some really common ones across any river catchment. I think predominantly it is that the land and the catchment is managed for different objectives. So for example, uh, the agricultural objectives for land may not always complement conservation objectives. And then those conservation objectives themselves may be made up of things such as grassland or wading birds, as well as water. And they don't always complement each other. So trying to find a way that you have uh, overlapping and common objectives to allow uh, conservation to happen in a way that complements the catchment is is probably the single biggest challenge um, so maybe to try and explain that a bit better is that the objectives can often become siloed so we are really focused on rivers and we're really focused on birds and we're really focused on farming or we're really focused on recreation and and you know it can feel often like the focus is around where we don't complement each other rather than where we do and trying to trying to find those shared objectives uh, is probably the the single biggest challenge the other the other ch common challenges the weather uh, very unpredictable and uh, it can make it very difficult to run events for people to come and get involved it can make it very difficult to deliver any work but also it can make it really difficult to undertake monitoring and i don't mean just practically so Today we're stood here next to Rathmore Beck which is running about three feet higher than normal and you couldn't really do any uh, ecological sampling. Um, but it, it's beyond that physical monitoring uh, challenge. It's also, it shouldn't, we wouldn't expect it to be three foot today but because of the weather that preceded it. So inconsistencies in the weather can, can uh, make monitoring uh, really difficult. The obvious one that has to be said is funding. With the kind of, silo thinking and the multidisciplinary multiple objectives for any catchment uh, often there is competition for funding uh, and it's trying to demonstrate how and why uh, you know whatever you're trying to do should have funding and how you can deliver multiple benefits that's that's how you try and overcome that uh, but uh, yeah this is just a couple there of the common challenges When I'm not at work, I tend mainly to think about work or uh, rivers, I suppose, in general. So uh, I have two young kids and uh, spend a lot of time with them um, wherever possible, dragging them out to play in and around uh, rivers and streams. We're quite fortunate to have one near, near our house. So uh, whenever it's not raining and uh, it's quite dry, then I have the kids down there playing. It's really hard 
to pick out a particular role model in this sector because it's uh, such a multidisciplinary sector. Um, I think if I was to pick out any one person, uh, it, it was someone who unfortunately passed away this year, Dr. Dylan Bright, who I met not long after joining Ribble Trust and was the, the director uh, or, or chief executive of West Country Rivers Trust. And his knowledge of catchment management rivers and uh, restoration and, and conservation of them was second to none, uh, and particularly how things interlink. So uh, I would say that he was my role model. Previously mentioned some of the, the common challenges uh, that we face in, in delivering catchment management and oh, nice heron flying overhead making itself known. Those common challenges that we face and, and they're common not just because you see them on every catchment but because we come across them commonly you know regularly. I think those are, are some of the things that I, I dislike about the, the job the most but I should try and explain that a bit more is that I dislike when we can't find a win-win situation and, and what I mean by that is where we have conflicting conservation uh, objectives but I'm sure that there there is something overlapping and there's sure uh, I'm sure there's a solution uh, to that conflict and and when we don't find one of those that really I find quite frustrating um, when we have delivered a huge amount of work and you know we're we're monitoring uh, as best we can and you know factors outside our control that that i find really quite frustrating we often sit in the office and try and figure out what the one thing that someone at home could do to help improve the, the, the state of their rivers and you know what it's a, an impossible question because each person impacts on a river in a different way um, so people who have septic tanks the single most important thing they can do is make sure that their septic tank is maintained annually that's probably one of the, the most important things that someone who, uh, in that situation could do People who live in towns and cities, uh, it, it can vary, but actually I would probably say come out and volunteer with us. You know, get out into the countryside, enjoy that that uh, environment and landscape that you can help to, to conserve. Um, for farmers, it's uh, thinking about how we, as an environmental charity, can help you and, and invite us to come and talk to you about how we can try and find those common objectives that, that support both of us. And I, th I think those are the kind of things that uh, people at home can do. The obvious one is come and volunteer or, or join the trust, but as an action that they can do at home, uh, that's what I'd, I'd recommend. So one of the things that I do enjoy 
particularly about my job is some of the strategy uh, around catchment management. So coming up with new initiatives, processes and projects that will improve not just little bits of the, of the river, but the whole catchment. It's easy to come up with strategy and to develop projects or, or come up with concepts and then develop the projects or that's what people often think. However, once you've come up with your concept, there is a huge number of processes, steps, stages, consents, licenses that you often have to get. And that, that isn't just for physical work on the ground, that's working with people. And, and that's some of the, the, the things that I particularly don't enjoy about my job is that it's very easy for people to assume, oh, you come up with an idea, you apply for some money and you just go and deliver it. And, you know, it's really difficult to, to explain to people that for a three-year programme of work to improve uh, a significant amount of the catchment, but not the whole catchment necessarily, we will have to do three or four years of preparation, uh, development and, and planning. And some of those uh, those steps and processes along the way can be particularly laborious and quite expensive. But we understand why they're there. They're there to, to ensure that we do things correctly and that uh, we're not negatively impacting on people. But it can be quite disheartening at times. You've got this great idea that everybody's on board with, but it'll take you two or three years before you can actually implement that idea. I'm often asked which has been my favourite or most memorable project and the, the honest truth is that I, I don't know that I can ever pick one, one single project. Uh, there are several projects that spring to mind. Um, one is the fish pass that we built adjacent to the Barraford Heritage Centre, so a significant weir there that was blocking uh, fish migration upstream. Uh, in a very highly visible and, and highly valued uh, place, valued particularly by the, the local community. And um, we had an opportunity there to really go about delivering that project with input from the community. So the uh, finished design uh, of, the, of the fish pass was very much affected by how the community wanted it to appear. So sourcing the right kind of local stone, we actually changed the shape of the fish pass so that uh, at a glance you wouldn't necessarily even see that the fish pass was there um, but beyond just inputting there we then worked to create a viewing platform um, we supported uh, the, the community group with a little bit of funding and they were able to, to seek match funding that allowed them to then build a wildflower garden which had an emphasis on butterflies so that, that's a really memorable one but there, there have been so many you know our peat restoration projects uh, for me, the very first one we delivered is probably quite memorable. I think my proudest really achievement is that we've we've got a team of people out delivering things. So, rather than an in individual uh, project or achievement, I think it's it's more about what what we've achieved as a as an organisation, but also with our partners. And you know, we're not done. You know, we've only really just started getting going. Uh, but we've, we've already done a huge amount and I think if we can continue to deliver in the way we have been doing it won't be long before we really start to see the tangible benefits of catchment management. One of the things that I'm keen that the Trust continues to do is work in partnership with others and um, our projects increasingly are, are focused on, on catchment management through partnerships 
And so I think in 12 months time, what I'd really like to see is that more and more partnership projects have spiraled. So not just ones that we've initiated that we are the, the lead partner on, but where other partners are delivering projects that we can then say, we've influenced how that project has done, uh, has been carried out and they've included uh, activities that will support water improvements or, or river conservation improvements that maybe 12 months ago or, or now they, they might not automatically do. And so I think, you know, the, the thing that I really hope we achieve over, over all of the physical improvements uh, is that we see more and more work done to improve the catchment but by others and in a joined up way that shows that we can deliver catchment management with multiple objectives and, and benefits for all. Talking Rivers series of audio productions has been brought to you by Ribble Rivers Trust as part of the Ribble Life Together project. It celebrates the rich cultural, social and natural heritage of the Ribble catchment. Creating the series has been made possible by National Lottery Players through the Heritage Lottery Fund. This episode was recorded and edited by Harvey Hamilton Thorpe. The soundtrack is called Wild Illusion and was composed by Nikos Terminidis. For more episodes and information, visit ribblelifetogether.org.